A couple things to remind you of. Once a month on Wednesday, the first Wednesday of each month, we do a time where we pray together, praying not for just ourselves, but for what God's doing in the city and in the nation. And that's this Wednesday. And we meet at the uh, City Mission Chapel on Frederick Street. I have no idea what the address is, but it says 46. It says City Mission out front, so you can't miss it. I did. My wife is asking, did you change your mind? A couple of things real quick. Just for the end of the month, we will be meeting in here on the 23rd of December, which is just before Christmas. And then we will not be meeting together on the 30th. And then on the 6th of January, we'll begin meeting over at the uh, Tramshed Function Center, which will be our new venue. So we have a few more weeks, and we have a wonderfully uh, special speaker that morning. That's <laughs> Johan. Johan. Can we pray? Holy Spirit, you're the one who leads us in truth. And so we just open our hearts to you, that you would bring revelation, that you'd bring truth, and that more than anything, that we'd be transformed. We want to be conformed to the image of Christ. Not to just be inspired or to be challenged or to be impressed, but we want to be changed. And we say, Holy Spirit, would you change us today? Jesus, you said, we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. So we ask for freedom in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I'm going to uh, do something a little bit different. I'm going to finish off the series we've been doing on healing. Uh, not that we're finishing off what God's doing on healing. Uh, we can't do that. But I actually want to talk of the foundation below the foundation. Does that make any sense? So this is very foundational. We've been talking about equipping and empowering saints for the work of the ministry. That's one of the things we believe God's doing. Or another way of saying it is to equip and empower a kingdom of priests. Same thing. The saints are all of us, if you're a believer in Jesus, and we do the work of the ministry. A kingdom of priests means we're a kingdom of people who actually do the ministry. That's what the priest did. So it's not just a few people, it's all of us. And so we're talking about equipping. So I want to ask you a question this morning. Why do people believe something? Have you ever thought about that? Sometimes because they've seen it. But that's a very foundational thing. Why do people believe something? Why do we believe something? When Mary and I used to do a seminar on raising kids, and uh, I did some research, and I found it interesting that a child raised in a communist home would be willing to impose something on other people. A child raised in a radical Islamic home would be willing to kill people. A child raised in a cannibalistic home would be willing not only to kill people, but to eat them. And a child raised in a Christian home would value and care for people. What's the difference? It's what we believe. 
So why do we believe what we believe? And how do we change what we believe if it's not in accordance with what God says? That's what we're going to talk about. I've realized that I can talk forever on healing, but if we don't deal with the foundational beliefs that some of us have, we're never going to get to where God wants us to be. Proverbs chapter 4. From verse 20, sorry I messed you up because I changed. <laughs> these guys are so good with these overheads that every once in a while I just have to change the scriptures to. It says, my son, give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Do not let them depart from your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those who find them and health to all of their flesh. Keep your heart with all diligence. For out of it spring the issues of life. Keep your heart with all diligence. 1 Samuel chapter 16. And verse 7 says, But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not look at his appearance or at his physical stature, because I have refused him. For the Lord does not see as man sees, for man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Something there. Heart. Matthew chapter 12. Starts in verse 25, and I'm going to just read 25 and then jump ahead a little bit, but I want you to see the whole thing. Jesus knew their thoughts and said to them, every kingdom divided against itself is brought to desolation, and every city or house divided against itself will not stand. That's the foundation. And then he jumps ahead and he says this, verse 33, either make the tree good and its fruit good, or else make the tree bad, and its fruit bad, for a tree is known by its fruit. You brood of vipers, how can you being evil speak good things? For out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. A good man out of his good treasure of his heart brings forth good things, and an evil man out of the evil treasure of his heart brings forth evil things. But I say to you that for every idle word men may speak, they will give an account of it in the day of judgment. For by your words you will be justified, and by your words you will be condemned. He's not actually saying salvation comes through your words, but he's saying by what you say you can understand what your heart is. And you can't be divided. Psalm 86, verse 11. Last scripture I'm reading for this morning right now. There'll be more later. Psalm 86 and verse 11 says, Teach me your way, O Lord. I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Or give me singleness of heart. I want to talk about heart belief. Okay, and I'll tell you why in a second. I used to have this wonderful PowerPoint program on my computer and updated my operating system and that doesn't work well now. And so I'm going back to old style whiteboard for today. So I wanna, I need some help from my 
lovely assistants. <laughs> if you guys would hold that over, over on that side, please. I want to draw you a picture, which could be trouble. <laughs> Get Josh to help me, because I'm actually going to try to make a circle, and as some of you know, I'm really bad at that. Josh, come and do this. Okay. I'm going to say... Come on. You can heckle me as I do it. Okay, you're well aware you have a conscious mind, things that you're aware of all the time. Okay, and there's another part. We're going to call it the subconscious. I didn't get it inside the circle, so just pretend it is. I just want you to, to see my great talent. I put subconscious below the other one because it's sub. <laughs> come on, come on. Okay, something happens in that you're aware of a, a whole lot of things all the time. A whole lot of experiences and facts. You're aware of how cold or hot you are, how hard the seat you're sitting in is, how dull and boring my voice is. And most of that stuff just passes right through. But some stuff actually gets saved. Okay? Scientists tell us that we have about 18... Oh, that one doesn't work. We're staying with black. I'm trying to be creative, but it's not working. 18 to 22 neuron... Uh, 1822 billion, billion neuron that can store information. So you can store all that information that you're getting all the time. But you don't. Why not? Because most of it is useless. So what do you store? You store something that's valuable or that is threatening and brings hurt. You still with me? Just be patient. It'll get better, I promise. Okay, that, that gets stored there. And so, those type of things. And then what happens when you experience something, you kind of send a message. The conscious mind sends a message to the subconscious. Those of you in the computers, it kind of checks the, uh, the memory. And it says, have you seen this before? It says, yes, this is what you can expect based on your experience. So you've got a lot of experiences. These are experiences. And facts that go in there. And they get stored here. What gets stored here is your belief. Okay, stay with me. That's what that is. It's belief. Let, let me give you an illustration. Number one fear that people share that, that they have is speaking in front of people. Something like 86% of people have that as their number one fear. About 64% of people, their number one fear is death. 
That means there's about 22% of the people who are more afraid of being in front of people than they are of dying. <laughs> I don't know if that's the case. But how do you get that? See, maybe, I'm going to give you just an anecdotal story. Maybe as a child in school, you're asked to read in front of the, the whole class. And so you get up and you read and somebody laughs at you because you stumble over a word. And so what happens is that that gets stored. And then later on, you have to give an oral presentation in front of a, your high school class and people back in the back aren't paying attention, but they're, they're laughing among themselves and you feel bad and that gets stored. And pretty soon, you've got this image, this belief that you can't speak in front of people. And so then you're in a uh, group like this and God gives you a word to share. And you go, I can't do that. And your knees start shaking and your hands get sweaty. There's another thing we're not going to get into, but there's another thing called the creative subconscious, and that's the part that, that tells you you don't want to do that. Some people get so nervous in front of people that they actually faint. That's the creative subconscious saying, this is not a good situation. We're leaving. Whether you're coming or not, we're out of here. Okay, what's the point? The point is this. This is what the Bible calls the heart. The heart's not this thing, organ that beats. It's actually, the, the word in the Hebrew is inner man. It's your belief. It's, it's what makes you who you are. God doesn't look on the outward appearance. He looks at the heart. Why? Because out of the abundance of the heart, our actions flow. So not only is this what the Bible calls the heart, second point is this, ultimately, we do what we believe. I know this is very profound. This is foundational foundation. But there's about a hundred applications of, for this that we'll talk about. No, not all of them, I'm kidding. <laughs> You can tell what you believe by what you do. Okay, think about it for a moment. Out of the abundance of the heart. See what's there. What he's saying is those who are evil, out of their evilness of the heart comes evil. So we can tell what we believe. I'll let you guys have a seat now. We'll... we'll can, can we have a hand for the... Uh, I, I kept expecting them to do some kind of <laughs> look at this. And As I became aware of this in 1984, Mary and I were at a conference in a place in South Africa and I was walking across the grounds of this place that we were staying and the Holy Spirit spoke to me and said, Russ, you don't believe in prayer. And I went... But I teach on prayer, and I led the intercession team when we were in, in a Youth with a Mission. And the Spirit said, yeah, but you don't pray. And I went, okay, God. I just learned this. I said, God, show me my heart. And I was raised in an evangelical church, 
and every week we had a prayer meeting. And when I was raised, we were in church every time the doors were open, whenever anything was happening. So as a little kid from the time I was little, I was in the prayer meeting. But our prayer meetings were a little bit different. Our prayer meetings were, would be, the pastor would say, does anyone have any needs? And nobody would say anything. He'd say, does anyone have any unspoken requests? I didn't even know that was a thing. <laughs> I have a request, but I can't tell you what it is. And about a half a dozen or a dozen hands would go up. And so we have all these unspoken requests. So our prayer meeting began, became praying every week for unspoken requests. Now think about that. How do you pray for something you don't know what you're praying? You just throw some general generalizations, platitudes, God, whatever you need, whatever, whatever it is that Johan needs, just let your will be done. And the problem is because people never shared what the need was, they also never shared when it was answered. And so being semi-intelligent, over the years, I came to this conclusion that prayer is a waste of time. What was in my heart from all my experiences over repetition was that prayer is a waste of time. Now, I believed in discipline. I was an athlete, I was involved in sports, practice, I believed in discipline, so I would force myself to pray because I felt it had to be good for me, but not because I felt it actually accomplished anything. So all this is in my heart when the Holy Spirit says, Rush, you don't believe in prayer. And as he does, sometimes one word from God kind of opens up a whole lot of stuff. You know, you think, okay, just a simple word, and it's like pulling back the, uh, the doors on a huge warehouse, and you see all this other stuff that you didn't know was there. And that's exactly what happened to me. So I began to say, okay, God, how do I change my heart belief. Romans 12, 2 says, being transformed by the renewing of your mind. Same thing. How am I transformed by the renewing of my mind? In other words, how do I make what God says my heart belief if something else is in my heart that isn't what God says? Because too often what's in our heart, our heart belief isn't what God has said. People have told us about God. They said things that, that maybe were, didn't represent God when I was, I was raised in a family that uh, I have a sister and two brothers. My sister is 14 months older and my brothers are 14 months younger. They're twins. And so my mom had four kids in 28 months. And she's still alive. <laughs> she's pretty tough. That's why she's still alive. But we were in the generation that we were disciplined if we misbehaved, which means we actually got spanked. And uh, I remember when I went to kindergarten, I was five years old, and my mom says, when you go to school, I'm not there to see you, but God sees you. <laughs> now, what did that put into my heart? It put in this understanding that when I misbehave at home, I get spanked. So if I, 
if I misbehave away from home and God sees me, he's going to spank me. I don't want God spanking me. <laughs> I remember once my mom was spanking me. I'd done something. I was down at my friend's and I didn't come home when I was supposed to. And I was little and, and we're walking home. She's got me by the hand and she's got, she used a, a little uh, wooden spoon and she's hitting me on the bottom. But we're walking. So every time she hits me, I just kind of jump. <laughs> and it didn't hurt at all. But this went on for about a half a block and I finally realized, if I don't cry, she's going to keep this up. <laughs> I had to be maybe six years old, so I just, <laughs> and she stopped. <laughs> so I could fool my mom, but I can't fool God. So if God's going to spank me, I don't think that's a good deal. How many of us have that concept that when something goes wrong, it's God getting us. That's not what God says about himself. But many of us have that belief in our heart. Because somehow or other, either because of value, it's been repeated, or because of threat, it's been stayed there, it's, it's uh, been established in our subconscious, and that becomes our area of belief. And so we have these beliefs that aren't what God says. Yet he's about transforming us. How do we do that? I'm going to give you four points for transformation. First one is... Be ruthlessly honest when the Holy Spirit brings revelation. How often the Holy Spirit speaks to us and we just try and justify ourselves. Rush, you don't believe in prayer. Yes, I do. As if I could convince God. I taught on prayer. I believe in teaching. But the Holy Spirit says, yeah, but you don't pray. So what happened when I faced a, a difficult situation, I would try and organize it. I would try and administrate it. I would try and teach it. I would try and change everything about it. And when nothing else worked, I would finally come to the point, I can't do anything, I better pray. Prayer was a last resort. So rather than justify ourselves, we've got to be ruthlessly honest. When God says, hey, there's something that I want to adjust. But see, there's a premise, there's a presupposition behind that, and that is that he's in covenant with us and he's for us. He loves us. Every time he brings some sort of conviction, it's not because he's unhappy, it's not because he's, he's angry, it's because he's saying, this actually isn't good for you, and I want to change you. That's not changing who you are, that's changing your belief that's wrong. If you believe that your finger is impervious to fire and you can stick it in the, the fire, in the, the stove or wood burning deal and, and you do it and it, gets, and it burns and, and it, it causes pain and you go, no, 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 but you still believe my finger is impervious so you healed up and then you go back and you do it again. <laughs> oh, no, 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 that, that hurt. But you still believe so you go back and you do it again. That's just dumb. 
most sin is just stupid. It's continually putting your finger in the fire and thinking it won't affect you. And the Holy Spirit comes and it brings conviction. And he's not saying, I'm unhappy with you. He's saying, it pains my heart when you burn your finger. How many of you have little kids? Man, you do everything to stop them from putting their finger in the fire. You don't say, oh, well, they gotta learn. You say, no, that hurts. I'd rather they learn from me than learn the hard way. Not all of them do. First point, being transformed. Be ruthlessly honest as the Holy Spirit gives revelation. Second is renounce what is it what God says. Which simply means stop reinforcing it. Why does something become heart belief? Because we value it or it's threatening. So what happens is maybe we get hurt. Someone speaks something over us that is hurtful. And the problem is we rehearse it and 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 rehearse it so often that it becomes a heart belief and we believe it even though we know it's wrong. When we relieve, relive hurts and the negative things spoken over us, we're actually just doing the devil's job. We're creating a belief that's subconscious and sometimes we're not even aware. So someone says to you, you can't speak in front of people. And what happens? You repeat it to yourself, I can't speak in front of people. I can't speak in front of people. People will laugh at me if I speak in front of people. I'm not a very good uh, articulator of words. I get stuck trying to find the word sometime and, and people laugh at me, so I can't speak in front of people. And pretty soon you've just created a heart belief. When God says, in Christ, you can do anything he asks you to do. See, what happens? We allow heart beliefs to limit us. The problem is, you can't not think of something. Now, let me explain that. Like in science, your mind hates a vacuum. I will not think about the hurt that Johan did to me. I will not think about the hurt that Johan, I will not think about the hurt that Johan did to me. I will not think about that hurt that Johan did to me. I will not think about that. What are you thinking about? Let me tell you, I want all of you right now to be very disciplined and do not think about pink elephants. Don't think about pink elephants. I won't think about pink elephants. I'm disciplined, I'm controlled. I won't think about pink elephants. Whatever I do, I will not think about pink elephants. You can't not think about something. You actually have to replace what you think about with thinking about something else. Purple elephants. So that leads us to the number three, which is to value what God says. Read it, study it, meditate on it, repeat it. When God says you can do something, that he's powerful enough. And you repeat that, you're actually changing your heart belief. 
But psychologists tell you it takes 28 days to break a habit. But it takes 40 days to establish a new one. That's weird. It's actually easier to break bad habits than it is to establish new ones. So if you're going to put value on what God says about you, it's going to take you 40 days if you do that every single day till that becomes a habit. What's a habit? A habit's something you do automatically without thinking. The uh, psychological term is automaticity. Some of you drive like that. You're so used to driving, you, you drive along and you don't even think about driving. Have you ever got home and went, did I stop at that stoplight? What happens? You were driving on automatic while your mind was on something else. <laughs> some, some of you are hitting your husband. <laughs> That's you. So the thing is, we want to make what God says our default, our automatic. God says he's in covenant with you. Have you repeated that enough that it becomes your automatic default? When something happens, you say, okay, God, what are you doing? Because you love me. You're for me. Or do we say, oh, what did I do wrong? God's after me. He's going to spank me. Your car has a flat while you're driving to work, and you say, what did I do wrong? Something in my youth or childhood (laughs) is catching up with me. In a negative sense instead of a good sense. For those of you who are Sound of Music fans. Be ruthlessly honest. Renounce what isn't what God says and then put value on what is what God says. And then fourthly, simply do it. Just do it, James. The book of James, chapter one and verse 21, says this. Therefore, lay aside all filthiness and overflow of wickedness and receive with meekness the implanted word. What's he saying? Renounce what isn't of God and receive the implanted word, what is of God, which is able to save your souls, but be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. I want to tell you this. We live in a culture that many of us are in danger of hearing a lot of teaching and never doing it. You can get on the internet and you can hear tons of of teaching and podcasts and, and, and you can listen to four or five a day. And you can be really thrilled and say, hey, this is real good, but nothing ever changes. Now, you are putting value, but bottom line is you just simply have to do it. Now, let me throw you an illustration as I rapidly draw to a close. (laughs) We've been talking about healing. And you're at the store and you see someone who's unwell and the Holy Spirit says, I'd like you to pray for them. You go, oh, I can't do that. But we've been talking about healing. We've been hearing stories of people being healed. We've been seeing God's hand at work. But you say, no, no, I can't do that. You know, maybe Taryn could because she's full of faith. Or maybe someone else could, but I can't. 
And what happens is you've just simply disobeyed. You've not done it. So all the series that we've done has had no effect on changing your heart beliefs. Oh, we're getting serious now. <laughs> Exodus. Chapter 3. We're going to finish with this. It's the story of God calling Moses. And if you know the story, he says this. He's going to send him to the uh, Pharaoh of Egypt. He's seen their oppression. He's seen people in need. And he said, I've chosen you because I've seen the need of people. Let me tell you, God's chosen you. Not because of your specialness, but because he's seen the need. And his love wants to touch people. And Moses says, verse 11, Who am I that I should go to Pharaoh, that I should bring the children of Israel out of Egypt? And God says the most wonderful thing. He says, I will certainly be with you. Isn't that a great thing? But Moses complains again. Says, I can't do it. What if they don't believe me and God says, I'll give a supernatural sign? And then in verse 10 of chapter 4, after all that, Moses says to the Lord, Oh Lord, I am not eloquent, neither before nor since you've spoken to your servant, but I am slow of speech and slow of tongue. And the Lord said to him, Who has made man's mouth? Or who makes the mute, the deaf, the seeing, or the blind? Have not I the Lord? And now go, and I will be with your mouth and teach you what you will say. What's the application? I believe the Holy Spirit was saying that no matter how long we talk about healing, there's some that you've believed a lie of the enemy that God can't use you. You're not eloquent enough. Or you're not capable enough. Or you're not holy enough. And the problem is, that is just reinforcing a wrong belief. Because it's not about God using you. It's about God using you. See, we get the focus on ourselves rather than the focus on him. In this day and age, there's a moving of the Spirit where God is drawing people to himself through a kingdom of priests, all of us preaching the gospel, God confirming with signs and wonders, which is exactly what he said to, to Moses. And many of us are still saying, but I can't. And God's saying, lovingly, with grace and mercy, slap you upside the head and say, yes, you can. Because it's not about you. But the problem is you're in danger of missing out on probably the greatest move of God in the history of the planet. Because you've got a heart belief that says, God's not big enough to use me. That's what Moses was saying. I'm not eloquent enough. And God says, who made the mouth? I don't need your eloquence. 
I will give you the words. Well, I don't have enough holiness. Who cares? You're righteous in Jesus. I don't have enough faith. God says, I'll, I'll give you faith. God says, I believe, but help my unbelief. Jesus didn't say, okay, sorry. You're, you're eliminated. <laughs> he said, in honesty, I'll do it. Now, this applies in a lot of other areas as well. When hurts, when the things people have said control us more than what God says about us. When circumstances control us more than what God says. When heart beliefs that basically say, I'm not good enough, control us. When God's given us the privilege to be a part of the most exciting time in history. We can actually miss out unless we understand we need to change, be transformed. Maybe something's happened somewhere in your background that has put a limitation. I'm not spiritual. You know, other people are spiritual. My wife is really spiritual. We would travel, we'd travel into places, we'd go into other nations and she'd get off the plane and she'd be aware of the spiritual realm and, and she'd be sensitive to you know, strongholds and I'm going, where do we get something to eat? <laughs> she said, do, do you feel the, 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 the oppression? I said, no, I'm just hungry. Does that disqualify me? Absolutely not. It makes me listen to her. But God's bigger than my lack of spirituality. He's amazing. I'm going to ask you to bow your head. We're finished. Almost. The whole focus of equipping the saints is that we all get to do the work of the ministry. It's not saved for professionals or for, for, for a few or for people who have a leadership function. It's for every single one of us. And I believe that there is something of just agreeing with God. So I'm gonna ask you, if in the midst of all this you have still somehow felt you were disqualified for whatever reason and you recognize the Holy Spirit is speaking to you this morning that's what we prayed that he would bring revelation I'm going to ask you just to respond and say God I hear you just by putting your hand up nobody this isn't I'm not going to call you up front this is just simply I've learned that there's something about responding to what God says if you felt that you had, were holding back or when there was something that was stirring of the Holy Spirit, you felt that, that you didn't have the faith or the ability or the eloquence or something, I'm going to ask you to just say, God, that's me. Just put it up and down. You don't have to hold it up. It's just you're saying, God, I'm hearing you and I want to be transformed. 
I want my heart belief to be in agreement with what you say and not in agreement with what others say or what the world says or what circumstances look like. I believe you above all else. I mean, why don't you stand with me, please? We're going to be dismissed in a moment. We always have a time of ministry. Uh, if you need someone to pray with you, whether it's for something that God's doing in your heart or whether it's for healing or whether it's for something else, there'll be some folks up front who'd love to, to take some time. If you feel like that uh, you've got something to, to add to pray for someone else, please uh, go right ahead and do that. Just grab someone else with you. We believe in team. There's something about as we communicate as we pray over someone. Sometimes God speaks prophetically. Sometimes God speaks a word of knowledge. And team gives us the ability to help people remember. You know, psychologists say you remember 10% of what you hear. So only 10% of this morning is going to stay in your brain. But sometimes when you pray for someone and God gives you a word, people don't always remember all of it. And so it's always good to have someone else there who can say, no, 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 that, you're remembering wrong. This is what God said which is always helpful. And so uh, you don't have to be in front to receive ministry. You can be anywhere. So, Lord, thank you for your grace. Thank you that we get to be a part of what you're doing. Lord, this, we are excited. We see an accelerating. We're seeing answers to prayer so much quicker. We're seeing people being set free. Uh, we're just seeing so much happen that we're just amazed that we get to be alive at this time and a part of what you're doing in this nation. But Lord, we don't want anyone to miss out. And so we simply say, would you change, transform us by the renewing of our mind that we will guard our hearts with all diligence. What goes in so it doesn't affect our belief. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. There's some coffee and tea out there somewhere. And uh, if you need some prayer, someone would, would love to have you. And let me remind you about our corporate prayer together on Wednesday. Seven o'clock. I did say that earlier, did I? <laughs>